long ago I wished to leave the house where I was born. Long ago I used to grieve, my home seemed so forlorn. In other years, its silent rooms were filled with haunting fears. Now, their very memory comes, overcharged with tender tears. At last, through all its wild wave strife, my bark is homeward bound. Regret by Charlotte Bronte A reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher Sally Bailey. Produced by Andrew Smith. I'm sitting in a cornfield in Sussex. I've come for a trip down to the seaside. The corn in front of me is gently blowing. It's quite breezy. It's rippling like a green sea in front of me. And I can see across the green cornfields to the very large outline of a tower block that is the flats known as Kingsmere. Kingsmere, on the road where I grew up, Granville Road in Littlehampton, West Sussex. Those are the wheat leaves, little tiny cathedrals of green poking up into the sky. Why does everything look religious? Why does life, natural life, often look as though it's praying in some way or organizing itself into a sacred sort of shape like these spears of green, these green fingers pointing towards the sky, blowing in the wind now? It does look very religious and prayerful, perhaps because nature has its own form of attention and self-organizing. Looks like it hasn't rained for some time. I used to pass through fields like this as a child. I used to love to find the paths. Like a little maze, M-A-Z-E, like Hampton Court maze through the fields. Of course, I would have been much shorter then. And so this green maze, M-A-I-Z-E or M-A-Z-E, would have been my playground. And all around I can see hawthorn blossom. White hawthorn, bright, bright white, the sun setting on its tips. And here is a large hedgerow of Queen Anne lace or wild parsley.
just letting the microphone graze over the edge of the Queen Anne lace. Delicate white fingers pointing upwards. I do love wild parsley. I love its abundance. I love its delicacy. I love how strong and enduring it always seems to be. Growing on the edge of fields and in hedgerows. Minding its own business as nature so often is. Until we start interfering. I've taken another short pause, I'm afraid, because my my leg is about to go. There's nothing really to complain about because I have just discovered a beautiful dell of bluebells. And I'm sitting under a thick canopy of beech trees, looking up towards the sky, as I used to when I was a child. I often spent hours sitting under trees beautiful lemon green lime colored leaves lit by sunlight We take from life one little share and say that this shall be a space redeemed from toil and care, from tears and sadness free. And haply death unstrings his bow and sorrow stands apart. Existence seems a summer eve, warm, soft and full of peace. Our free, unfettered feelings give the soul, the soul, its full release. And for a little while we know the sunshine of the heart. Winter Storm by Charlotte Bronte When I was a child, I read Jane Eyre and I thought she was the bravest person I'd ever met. I'm thinking of Jane Eyre again. Now, I'm no longer a child. She was my role model when I was 10, 11, 12 and starting to leave home, starting to separate from the rest just opened the beginning of Jane Eyre and I remember that first sentence where her voice emerges so strongly with such authority and such knowledge. There was no possibility of taking a walk that day. There's a child who knows herself, there's a child who knows the world, there's a self that knows the world. No possibility. Jane knows what is and what isn't possible. From the cruel world of Thornfield Hall, 
where she finds herself as an orphan child. And she's been sent to live with her cousins, the rather nasty Eliza and Georgiana and John Reed. I was glad of it. I never liked long walks, especially on chilly afternoons. Dreadful to me was the coming home in the raw twilight with nipped fingers and toes and a heart saddened by the chidings of Bessie the nurse and humbled by the consciousness of my physical inferiority to Eliza, John and Georgiana Reed. We understand that she's apart from the Reed family who are gathered cosily around the drawing room fire that she has been excluded. And so she sits behind the curtains in the breakfast room, which adjoins the drawing room. It contained a bookcase. I soon possessed myself of a volume, taking care that it should be one stored with pictures. I mounted into the window seat and having drawn the red moreen curtains nearly close, I was shrined in double retirement. I was shrined in double retirement. To be Jane Eyre is to search out a space for yourself where no one else will find you, where you will not be bullied. I think what our instincts do, which is what Jane Eyre has, she has very strong instincts and intuition, which comes out of that voice, that sense of self-possession. What she has is a, an ability to be alone and to be separate in double isolation. And she goes into a sense of isolation, not only because it's imposed on her by her cruel cousins and her cruel aunt, but because she wants to move away from the rest. And so she picks up a book and she sits there behind her red marine curtain. Folds of scarlet drapery shut in my view to the right hand. To the left were the clear panes of glass, protecting but not separating me from the drear November day. So she can see out the window and she is connected to nature, and for that reason, she herself does not feel dreary. I call that window consciousness, and I think all my life I've tried to find that state of being connected to the outside world, to the day, to the month, to the leaves on the trees, whilst also being protected by being on the inside with a book in my hand. Shrined in double retirement behind the leaves of a book and yet able to see the wider world from where I sit and to travel from my book back into the world without having to leave the safety of my little reading nook. The kettle is calling. Jane Eyre is creating pictures. Charlotte Bronte 
is allowing us to see that in this opening. She's drawing for us so that we can see her state of mind and the state of her imagination. The words in these introductory pages connected themselves with the succeeding vignettes and gave significance to the rock standing up alone in a sea of billow and spray, to the broken boat stranded on a desolate coast, to the cold and ghastly moon glancing through bars of cloud at a wreck just sinking. Those are her little pictures, her vignettes, and as a writer that's what you must do soon early on. Provide your character with vignettes. Give us a sense of pictorial place. Each picture told a story, mysterious often to my undeveloped understanding and imperfect feelings, yet ever profoundly interesting. The two ships becalmed on a torpid sea I believe to be marine phantoms. The fiend pinning down the thief's back behind him, I passed over quickly. It was an object of terror. So was the black horned thing seated aloof on a rock, surveying a distant crowd surrounding a gallows. Each picture told a story. Each picture tells a story of love and adventure taken from old fairy tales and other ballads. Go looking for fairy tales and ballads which you heard as a child or which you heard as an adult to which you attached something of love and adventure and terror. And you will find your pictures, you will find your vignettes, you will find your landscape and you will find your rhythms too. You will find your cadences for storytelling. Allow your imagination to move you from those pictures, those storybooks, back into your own world, back into the world of your character who is partly you and definitely partly not you. Because the reason we write is to come into knowledge of another. We don't wish to know everything about the character that we're creating. They must surprise us. They might even turn on us. Terror is very enlivening for the imagination. And this is what Jane Eyre is doing in this section of her autobiography, sealed away as she is behind the red maroon curtains in the drawing room. building up pictures in her own mind of solitary places where she can imagine taking refuge. It's her survival tactic. Because this is really a novel, an autobiography of growing up with reading. Of reading giving you courage to separate yourself off from others. To find dignity in reading. Evening solace. The human heart has hidden treasures in secret kept, in silence sealed. 
the thoughts, the hopes, the dreams, the pleasures, whose charms were broken if revealed. And days may pass in gay confusion, and nights in rosy riot fly, while, lost in fame's or wealth's illusion, the memory of the past may die. But there are hours of lonely musing, such as in evening silence. Come, when soft as birds their pinions closing, the heart's best feelings gather home. 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 Evening Solace by Charlotte Bronte Thank you for listening to a reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher Sally Bailey, produced by Andrew Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like it, give us a review, or mention us to friends or on social media. Thank you.